Welcome back to the Mike and Andrew Show. I'm Andrew Serwick here again with Mike Meredith. Mike, it was a conference championship weekend. We had uh, some crazy games, but uh, how are you doing this uh, this evening, man? Pretty good. Wish we were doing a little bit better, though. We'll get into these games. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, let's, let's get right into it. Uh, this is going to be a pretty quick episode today. Not a whole lot going on right now, so... Uh, Let's get into it. AFC Championship in Baltimore, the 3 o'clock game on Sunday. Ravens hosting the Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs win it 17-10. Plain and simple, the Ravens' offense and defense decided to just not show up in this game. Um, Lamar, I don't know what he was doing with uh, with that pick that he threw in uh, in the end zone. Uh, to Zay Flowers that uh, when he was in triple coverage. Granted, there was some pass interference, but, um, you know, that wasn't called on that, but it is what it is. There's still throwing in a triple coverage is stupid. Um, And then, obviously, you had the Zay Flowers fumble on the goal line um, that gave Kansas City the ball at the 25-yard line or the 20-yard line. I forget what it is. Um, Just all in all, it was an abysmal day for the uh for the Ravens um they just couldn't get anything going offensively and the defensively at times they look good and other times they just let Kansas City run all over them uh not very good tackling uh from this Ravens defense which we had seen all year they just decided to not show up but man that that offense was probably the most disappointing thing uh in this game just very low production overall for the Ravens um and uh yeah Lamar I don't know if I don't I don't know if he can uh, if he's that guy man Yeah that was a tough scene man I mean 10 points Zay Flowers had that big TD and then um of course he goes for the second TD to try to get him back in it and the, they punch out the goal line like they did in the Buffalo game and they lose that that was a big turn of events there Kansas City, man, they just they find a way to get through. Um, crazy, man. Every year they just seem to find a way to get back to the Super Bowl here. I saw a lot of people proclaiming Mahomes is the best quarterback ever after that game. I, I don't know about that. I mean, he's got to definitely win the Super Bowl. And probably a few more, in my opinion, to be in that combo. But talent-wise, he is definitely off the chart. He's still going crazy with you no know, – no Tyree Kill and his receivers being uh, below average this year. And, you know, the real reason the Chiefs made it, man, they freaking said, Kadarius Tony, you ain't playing. That man claimed on his instant. <laughs> he went off. He was like, I ain't hurt. They just don't want to play me. Yeah, they don't want to play you because every time they play you, they lose on some dumb shit, man. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was quite funny when uh, when they benched him. Uh, Travis Kelsey, by the way, had had a really really good game. Eleven catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown uh, for Kansas City. I mean, he looked really really good in this game. It's just a damn shame that we're gonna have to see Taylor Swift now 17 billion times during the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna get real fucking old real fucking fast, man. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I watched the Super Bowl for two fucking things: commercials. And and uh, the game itself, N- not to see Taylor, not to see Taylor Swift on about eighty percent of the fucking broadcast, man. That's just it's gonna get ridiculous. Um, 
in in the Super Bowl now that uh, that they're going. Um, although she's supposed to be in Tokyo that night, so you know they're yeah. So yeah, I I fuck I praying to God, and I'm pretty sure every other football fan is praying to God that she can't make it and we don't have to fucking see her a billion times during the broadcast. I mean, Jesus Christ, NFL. Get your act together with that shit, man. No one wants to see her constantly during a fucking broadcast every time Kelsey touches the ball, man. It's just ridiculous. Facts. Like, fuck off with that shit. Uh, but, yeah, no, overall, it was a pretty decent performance from Kansas City. Uh, their defense was able to do a ton to uh, to stop Baltimore. And uh, they did a damn good job. Um, and like you said, with Mahomes being in that greatest quarterback combo, I mean, he's definitely on his way there. I don't think he's quite there yet, but I, I mean, he definitely has a talent to get there and he wins in the Super Bowl this year. I, I think you could start putting him in that conversation already. Cause that'd be what number two for him or number three, something like that. Yeah. It'd be number three. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you win three Super Bowls. I mean, you, you definitely are in that conversation. Um, and, and he's still young, too, which uh, to do to get that many Super Bowls at his age, I mean, that'd be quite the accomplishment for sure. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Kansas City on to the Super Bowl. And uh, so San Francisco, unfortunately. It's the Super Bowl that no one really gives a shit about. Um, America's team, the Lions, losing here 34-31 in San Francisco. Um, lots to get into on this game. Um, let, let's start with how bad the defense played for the Lions um, in the second half specifically. The first, yeah. the first half, they looked incredible. Second half, they literally just forgot how to tackle. I mean, Brock Purdy running for 51 yards – um, shouldn't happen. He's not that mobile of a of a quarterback. I mean, yeah, he's more mobile than Goff, but I mean, it's not hard to be more mobile than Goff. I mean, we have offensive linemen that are more mobile than him. Let's let's be honest here. That said, they just completely forgot how to tackle him. I mean, there there was about three or four sacks that they could have had that ended up being first down plays because instead of forcing a third and long or fourth and long situation. Uh, they turn him into first downs because we could not tackle him. Um, it was it was ridiculous uh, what the defense was not able to do in the second half. I mean, the Lions went up you know 17 points before halftime, looking really great, and then just completely imploded. No points in the third quarter, and didn't start scoring till midway through the fourth quarter again. I mean, um, offensively there was a lot of mistakes. Um, some coaching malpractice for sure, and we'll get into that more in detail. But uh, the Niners, man, I mean, they they didn't really earn this win, um, but but they certainly took advantage of of the mistakes the Lions were making, and you know the second half actually looked pretty damn good for them because of the uh, the fact that they were you know taking advantage of the Lions' mistakes. Yeah, man. I gotta just so I want to apologize to the viewers here because I said that the Lions had nothing to lose in this game. You know, San Francisco was favored, and then this happened. Yeah, they had something to lose in this game. When you do something like that, 
that's the one thing you can't do is go up big and then blow it, man. Uh, that is such a tough scene, man. I know that the statistics say go for it on fourth down. I know Campbell loves going for it every single time on fourth down, but when you're up two scores and you can make another three-score game out of half, they come out of the half, they get a field goal. You can match their field goal and be up three scores. They gave the 49ers life, in my opinion, man. It, it legit did, and then they get the the 51-yard lucky pass down the field. Now you catches off of um, off field door. Defenders. Yeah. yeah, off field door's face mask. Yeah, I mean, that's just yeah. – that was the same old Lions moment right there. That was, and then Gibbs fumbling the ball after not going on the correct side of the handoff, and – I know you said about the defense, and there really is no excuse for that defense in the second half, but I will say they were gassed, man. They were out there so much because the offense couldn't stay on. You know, three and outs, it seemed like their offense just was so dead. And this is exactly what happened in the Rams game. We went out, we did crazy, and then our offense died. And uh, I was talking with people at my work. I'm like, what do you think they should have did differently? And the one guy was like, man, why didn't we just keep running the ball, man? We were running the ball all first half. It was working. You know, they made their adjustments, of course, but still think, man, if we would just ran it a little bit more, man, we could have we could have done something, man. Um, yeah, that fumble, Reynolds dropping two crucial passes, and Campbell could have tied it up on a second field goal attempt. I, I get Basley is not a good kicker, man. He's not that great, but. When you have a chance to tie the game, it, if they were down 10 points, I would say go for it. You know, go for it. Be gutsy. You know, you got nothing to lose at that point. You're down 10 points. But when you have a lead and you can go up three scores, I don't care, man. Like, I know that you want to get that TD to go up three TDs, but, man, you got to take the points when they're there, man. Like I said, even if Badger would have missed, I would have respected that decision to at least go for it, man, um, and go for a three-score game. Just so so heartbreaking, man. I know there's people on both sides of the spectrum of this argument on whether Campbell gets a lot of the blame or he doesn't. I've kind of heard both sides. So um, I definitely was a lot harsher on it when I first saw the game. I was like basically blaming Campbell for all that shit. I've kind of come down a little bit now on my uh, on my harshness on Campbell, but still. He's not that great of a coach, in my opinion. Like he, he's a good players coach, but as just a strict, you know, play caller, he's not. Uh, definitely not the top of the league, in my opinion. Uh, and and so the first time he went for it on fourth down, I don't blame him at all for that call. I think it was actually the right call to go for it at that point. Um, you know, you have Reynolds drop that. It is what it is. But there's two points in the game that weren't those fourth downs that I think the Lions really blew it. Um, and one of them is to do with Dan Campbell. The other one's actually to do with Ben Johnson. Uh, but the first one is kicking the field goal in the first half um, to go up 17. That one actually didn't make sense to me because – the, the offense was on the field. You go for it there. Um, I think it would have been, what, like a, a, a five-yard or a six-yard uh, play to try and score a touchdown there. You score the touchdown, you go up 21 points instead of 17. It changes the entire 
way that second half has to be played from San Francisco's perspective. Um, and, and the way Aaron Glenn can dial up some more pressure on the defense or from the defense uh, going into that second half, it, it could have changed the entire way that second half was played. Um, and now the other one, I well, actually, there's there's two more things that I, that I want to get to here in the second half that happened. The the third and fourth run that he sent Amon Ross St. Brown into the backfield to care, to run the ball on third and four. Yeah. I I don't know what the fuck that was, but that was no. a that was a Ben Johnson decision. Yeah, um, that, that the one play I, that I don't, that I don't understand that at all. Um, the other one I don't understand is the, uh, I think it was the second down, uh, in the, in the final few minutes before, uh, they, uh, they went and got the touchdown where they, where they ran it and they had to call a timeout. Um, cause the pa- the play before was, a, was a pass play that was dead. What I would have done there kick the field goal, get this within seven, and then go and get that uh, that uh, onside kick, potentially. Because you end up saving time doing that. Uh, because now San Francisco has to go and actually make a drive um, try to happen. And if you, get, if you force them a three and out, you, ha- you give yourself a chance because you have all three timeouts. Uh, there to to stop the clock uh, on that drive for them. So if you force them to three and out, you give yourself a chance to win the game. Um, so that was that was I think probably the biggest coaching malpractice in in this game. Uh, in my opinion, were those three moments. Although I wouldn't really call you know that field goal at the end of the game, uh, or not the end of the game, but the, at the end of the half necessarily malpractice, but he was, he was, he was too conservative there. I mean, see, I got to disagree with you on that because I think that say they don't get it. They, they're only up 14 at that point. That gives the 49ers so much life, but then again, if they get it, it doesn't. So it's tough because yeah, they don't convert that though. They're only down 14 and a half at that point. And that, that could, that, that would be tough. I, I, Really thought that taking the points there was good, but you know, if they would have went for it and got it, it would have been great. But you got to look at two if they wouldn't have gotten it. See, but it doesn't make sense to have just gone for the field goal there, and then the first fourth down attempt in the second half, you you go for it. It it doesn't make any. Yeah, that, it uh, it doesn't make sense when when you think about it. Like yeah. he he was very hesitant, very conservative in the first half, which is fine. You got to be consistent through it, and and I think if they would have at least tried to take the points on that first uh, fourth down attempt, even though I think it was actually the correct call to go for it at that point in the game, um, it, it it's it's just different. But be more consistent. The way the game was going, you should have just kicked the field goal at that point. Uh, it would have slowed down San Francisco's momentum. Even if you miss it, I think I feel like uh, that would have slowed down some of their momentum. Uh, but the the biggest issue I think overall in this game was Josh Reynolds being clutch all year long in those kind of situations, dropping passes on on third down, fourth down com- uh, conversion attempts. You, you have to catch those balls, and Jared Goff played incredible. He was incredibly accurate, pretty much all day long. I mean, uh, 
like it like like most of most of his incompletions in this game were drop passes. They weren't they weren't overthrows. They weren't underthrows. I mean, he was on point almost all day. I think I think he had like a ninety percent accuracy rating, despite you know all these drops that uh, was happening. But I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown dropped a couple passes. The the touchdown to JMO. Uh, that JMO dropped right through his hands, and obviously, you know the the third down uh, play that forced the three and out from Josh Reynolds, and then the two fourth downs uh, where we didn't where he we didn't catch the ball. I mean that those moments, I think, you know, Dan Campbell trusts his guys in those moments, and I completely understand. I mean, what they're like fifty two percent on on fourth down conversions this year, which is insane. Um. Given the volume that they uh, that they conv- uh, that they attempt fourth downs, um, and and Campbell trusts his guys, and and I mean at the at the point at those points, you know I trust the team because I've seen them be able to do that, and just seeing Josh Reynolds drop those very clutch passes just hurt me inside because it's like we had trust in you, and you completely blew it there. Yeah, it's just. So heartbreaking, man. Like I said, thought we had nothing to lose with San Francisco. I I didn't think we'd jump out as strong as we did, to be honest with you. Like I thought that it'd be kind of back and forth uh, type of game, but San Francisco had no life in the first half, and then just we we died in the second half. And that's the thing, man. We got to finish strong. Like if we're gonna play bad in the half, it's got to be the first half because we gotta we can't just die in the second half, man. That's one thing that the Lions have done. Like, look at the game against New Orleans this year. They were up twenty-one nothing. I think in like the first quarter, and then New Orleans almost came back and won that game against the Rams. Same thing. Three points in the second half. Just figuring out how to stay consistent all the way throughout. Man, team's got to be better. I mean, yeah. Overall, the team's got to be better. Someone who who did not show up in this game though is uh, Aiden Hutchinson. He didn't have a lot of pressures on Purdy. No, he yeah. had he rec- and and he's the only player on the defense that didn't record a single tackle in the entire game, and he yeah, has not I've done been... that all year. But in the big moment, he did not show up at all for the defense, especially at times when we needed him. Yeah, it was definitely tough. I mean, I knew he was going against Trent. Wirt- Trent Williams, you know, who I think is the best left tackle in football. So, you know, definitely tougher. But, yeah, he, he I think, even would admit that he had a, just a bad, just a down game. And, yeah, definitely uh, definitely tough for some of those defenders too, man, uh, that just didn't play as strong. Yeah, it's just, yeah, not not a good game defensively especially in the second half from the Lions. I granted they were gassed cuz the offense couldn't stay on the field, but uh man, it it was just a tough break because I mean, the the Lions in the second half had five possessions and two of them I don't count because one was the the Gibbs fumble on the first play of that drive and then the other one was a three and out. Um so they had only re- three real possessions in that entire second half um and they didn't take advantage of any of them. Uh, but the fourth, the second fourth down attempt, that one should have just been kick the field goal. I know Badgley isn't that great in that range. I think you know he he clips about eighty percent uh, in that range of forty to fifty yards. 
which isn't that great. In the NFL, you have to be over 90%, uh, you know, in that range. But still, man, you have to try and get some trust into him. Um, and I think that's going to be the one of the biggest needs that the Lions need to fill this offseason, um, whether it be through free agency or the draft, is getting a actual legitimate NFL kicker. Man, um, but so that said, that said, I think, you know, getting someone opposite Aiden and getting a corner, a true corner, um, and granted Emmanuel Mosley will be healthy because he only played two snaps his entire year before his Achilles decided to kill it, kill itself. Um, but getting a true, uh, CB one and getting someone opposite Aiden, I think the defense would then be elite at that point. Yeah. Just doing that. And, yeah, with the kicker, man, tough because, man, that was the one thing the Lions had for 30 years. We had always had a good kicker, bro. We had Hanson all those years and Prater. Like, bro, we had a kicker locked down for years. Um, and now it's the other way around. We have pretty much everything else filled out, just no kicker. So, yeah, kicker, uh, second, DN, and then, yeah, just fixing the secondary, man. Yeah, and look, it, it was a great – when you when you think about the season as a whole, the Lions exceeded expectations. I don't think anyone expected them to even get to the NFC Championship game uh, this year because the expectations, at least in my opinion, were win the division, win the playoff, win a home playoff game. Anything after that's just extra. I and mean, overall, I think the Lions' season was really, really good. Um, but it, it's just going to get harder from from here on out because uh, even Dan Campbell said it himself. You know, in the locker room that, hey, it's going to get harder. It's going to be a lot harder next year. They have a harder schedule, um, and and the division it's the division itself is going to get harder. I mean, there's it could be a three-way battle between Minnesota, Green Bay, and Detroit next season. Um, it is going to be so it, tough. It's, like, it's going to be tough. Chicago is going to get better. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the NFC as a whole is going to be getting better. Um Except for probably the uh, the NFC South because you know it's the least serious division yeah. in all of football. But why can't we get it, that they they if if they can get themselves even to a wild card spot next year, I'm happy with that. Just making the playoffs because who knows? I mean, we we could very well see um, you know the winner of this division next year being the number one seed and both other teams, you know, between Minnesota, Detroit, and, and Green Bay could both be wild card teams. That That's how tight this NFC North, I think, is really going to be. Um, and, and I think having a kicker and getting a better corner and getting someone opposite of Aiden will give us that edge to actually just win the division overall. Because um, the, the winner of this division could very, very well be the number one seed next year. Yeah, I think so, man. Our division's going to be crazy. Yeah, but uh, that wraps up your uh, championship weekend. Obviously, we got uh, a weekend break from football um, before the Super Bowl. Uh, NHL uh, All-Star break is coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, they, they announce all the skill competition stuff. Um that's going on. There's, there's a, there's supposedly, supposedly a new format to the skills competition for the NHL, um, All Star Weekend, which uh, kind of looking forward to see what that is, um, and also a new 
competition in general. There's a new skill competition, which is which is a lot. There's a lot of rumors to it. I don't know which one to believe, so I'm not going to get really into that. But uh, we got some breaking news right now. Uh, John Angelos, the owner of the Baltimore Orioles, has just sold uh, the Orioles to uh, two private equity billionaires, uh, David mm-hmm. Rubenstein and Mike uh, Agaretti, um, for uh, $1.725 billion. Um, this is obviously huge uh, for the Orioles. Um they uh, they have a new owner. The team is in actually a really really good position for the future um, after making the uh, the playoffs this past uh, off season. I think uh, this just overall in general for the Orioles is a really really good um, you know move for them going forward. I'm sure a lot of Baltimore fans are happy with this. Yeah, I agree. I mean these. Uh... This private equity, you know, as long as they can spend some money, man, I mean, they're definitely going to be happy. They have such a good farm system, man. They've had the number one prospect like three years in a row, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Jackson Holiday now. So they got a bright future. They were really good last year. Um, they won like 100 games last year. So just doing good in the playoffs is just all they need, man. They definitely got talent. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of talent, um, you know, especially just in their farm system still. They have a lot of talent. So, uh, But, yeah, this just popped up about, uh, about what, 10 minutes ago or so that uh, that the sale was finalized today. Um, so, yeah, big, big news there for Baltimore. Um, but, uh, yeah, back uh, to the NHL. Um Couple just minor things, uh, just to talk or just to mention real quick. Uh, the Rangers um, are are losing somebody big um, for the rest of the season due to uh, some issues with uh, with some concussions. Um, that being, uh, Jesus Christ, what's his name now? Uh, Philip Heedle. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's had some concussion issues and they just decided to shut him down for the entire season. So hopefully, uh, he gets better during the off season and, uh, can get back to playing next season. Uh, and then Patrick Line has, uh, has entered the player's assistant, uh, assistance program. Um, we don't know what it is. And frankly, it's no one's business to know why he's entered the program. Um, you know, like, but, mo- mo- I feel like most people aren't going to go and try and dig around uh, to figure out why exactly he's in there. But, and obviously the program's there for a multitude of reasons. You know, it could be a domestic, you know, issue, alcohol, drug use, something. We don't know. And frankly, it's none of our position to, to really speculate on that. But uh, it's a big, big loss for uh, for the Blues. Um, and, uh Lastly, uh, we have one person from that uh, that sexual assault case uh, about going on with the uh, the World Juniors uh, 2018 team from Canada. Uh, Alex Fermentin has surrendered to the uh, the London police. Uh, he did that, I think, on Sunday or Saturday. It happened this weekend. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's the first of 
the the players that have taken leave from their teams to actually surrender to the London police. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that story, of course, see what comes of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. But, Mike, do you have anything else before we get going here? No, so just, you know, these other sports are going to start taking over as the NFL season is coming to a close here. I'm excited to see how the NHL and NBA playoffs, that will be starting soon, then spring training for baseball, of course, around April time. Uh, it's going to be super exciting to see. Um, and uh, TSN just actually broke news uh Earlier this afternoon, I'm just now seeing it. Uh, Carter Hart, uh, Michael McLeod, Dylan Dubé, and Cal Foot, all players that had uh, left their their teams for uh, indefinite leave of action have uh, have all been directed uh, to surrender to the London Police. So that is actually confirmed that those players are actually involved in this case. So. Um, yeah, that's uh, some pretty big news. Tough losses for a lot of those teams, especially the Devils losing two players, uh, two very critical players in, in their young core as well. And then Philly um, losing their uh, their number one goalie, uh, not looking good for them either. But, uh, yeah, man, um, obviously we have the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, Thursday's episode, we're going to probably just talk about random stuff at this point um we don't have any football obviously this weekend next weekend or next week though uh it's gonna be all um it's gonna be all pretty much just uh just super bowl talk um also uh breaking today uh ben johnson said he's going to stay with the lions told both washington and seattle that he is staying uh in detroit and to me, the quotes that he had, uh, that he said, sounds like he just really just likes where he's at in Detroit. Uh, he, you know, he talked with his wife about it, um, you know, and may, maybe it's just he, he wants to tap, have just another year under Dan Campbell, uh, trying to learn from him, and then he'll go, but uh, there's... A lot of different takes on what exactly was his decision there, but uh, that gives me a ton of confidence going into uh, in the next season as a Lions fan. That's for sure, uh, having him back. Yeah, I agree, man. Great to see him back and trying to run it back with uh, more experienced and maybe some better players as well. Yeah, that is for sure. Uh, short episode for you guys, uh, and probably going to be a short one on Thursday as well. But uh, rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Let us know what more content you want to see from us. Um, we're going to be ramping up things. Uh, spring training starting soon for the MLB. We'll get into that. Um, we're, uh, we're a month away from the NHL trade deadline, uh, which is really late this year. It's, uh, it's March 8th, which is really late. Normally it's you know, the last day of February, but it is what it is there. Um, NBA All-Star Games coming up. Obviously, we have the NHL All-Star Game coming up this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more on, about that on Thursday, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys on Thursday.